Hey friends, welcome to the Great Things Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Herring. Let's be honest, things aren't going too great in the world right now. I think we can all agree on that. But I've got some good news. This space is created for you to join in on conversations of how sometimes the hardest, lowest moments of our lives can produce the greatest joys. So come on in and jump on this virtual couch with me as we talk about some good news and great things. Welcome to the second episode of season two. I'm so excited to share this conversation I had with my friend Luke. Believe it or not, there's a lot of thought and prayer that goes into these conversations and when they're released. And there's a reason why I wanted to kick off the season with this one. I don't know if you have a word for the year, but mine for 2022 is holiness. It's something that I really wanna dig deeper into, so I wanted to have a conversation about it on here. And I couldn't think of a better person to talk to about holiness and consecration than Luke Lefevre. He is 24 years old and leads his generation so well. Luke is one of the most passionate people I have ever met, passionate about Jesus and sharing the gospel. He has an incredibly powerful story that I can't wait for you to hear. Luke, I'm so thankful you're joining me today. Uh, We haven't known each other that long, but you've been such an encouragement to me, and I love your heart for the gospel and for your generation. Um, You and your wife, Rebecca, are just such leaders, and so um, I'm just thankful to know you guys, and you're about to be a dad. I am. I am. Yeah, I'm so excited to be on the the podcast with you today, Lindsay. Yeah, my wife and I, Rebecca, are expecting our first baby coming up in January. So really exciting. Um, definitely all the prep is in full swing right now and all of the, you know, watching the baby videos and, and everything. So it's a fun season for sure. I love that for you guys. You guys are amazing. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, who is Luke Lefevre? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm married to my wife, Rebecca. We've just uh, had our one year anniversary. Uh, and like I said, baby on the way, which quick turnaround on that, um, baby was not planned in case you were wondering. <laughs> um, but, uh, so my wife and I, uh, we lead a ministry called consecrate, which the goal of that is to call our generation to back to holiness and back to a biblical standard of what it means to be followers of Jesus and a recommitment to the great commission to really believe that we could see our generation in America, uh, turn to God in our lifetime and see revival in our nation. And, and so that's a little bit about us and kind of where our focus lies in this season, but just really passionate about seeing our generation reached with the gospel and fully devoted to Jesus. Yeah, I love that. And I also love that you guys are young. You know, you said it wasn't planned, but yeah. why wait? Like, let's get more disciples growing up. You know, I love yeah. that you guys are going to be such amazing parents and leaders to even, you know, your kids. So that's super cool. Yeah. Thank you. We're definitely excited. So it's going to be good. Yeah. So what is your faith background? Yeah. You know, so I, um, I grew up in the church. Um, I, I think I have kind of, I would say a unique story in the fact that I think most people's testimonies is like, Hey, you know, I, I grew up in the church, maybe like walked away from the Lord or this or that. Um, but the, the way that my story went was, you know, my grandpa was a pastor. Um, my parents were super involved in the church growing up and, um, just really from a young age, uh, really, I have amazing parents I have an amazing family. And so really just they really modeled the gospel for me in a really powerful way into where at a young age, I was just, I decided you know, the gospel really believed the gospel and said, this is true. I put my faith in the Lord. And, 
and kind of the background of my story, I guess, is, um, you know, I actually grew up in the same neighborhood as my grandparents and I used to like ride my bike over to their house growing up when I was younger. And, um, my grandpa was really passionate about just the times that God had moved throughout history. And, um, I would go over to their house and kind of hang out with them. And he would just tell me stories about, you know, the first great awakening in America, if you're not familiar with that, of just basically this time in the 1700s where America was really turning from God. And, and there was this really powerful move of the Holy Spirit where 30,000 people would gather in the fields in the 1700s to hear the gospel and, and thousands and thousands of people getting saved. And he would just tell me those stories and, and really kind of in my teenage years after having given my life to the Lord, um, really getting a passion for, man, if God has moved like that in the past, um, I believe he can do it again. And, and um, that was really kind of what I grew up on was those stories and then got into college and um, just really started going, Lord, if, if, you know, you've done this in the past, I believe you can move on my campus and started seeing students on my campus saved and then in our city and kind of led to just different pieces of my story. But that's a little bit of kind of the background of, of my relationship with the Lord and what that looked like growing up for me. Yeah. So you said that you, you know, grew up with those stories and knew about Jesus as you grew up and then you came to surrender your life to him in your teenage years. So what was like the captivating point? Like what, what really drew you into Jesus? You know, I think I remember I, um, actually a conversation I had with my, with my grandpa one day. And I, uh, I was really passionate in high school. Like when I started getting a hunger for the Lord and like deciding to really surrender my life fully to the Lord, um, about apologetics, which I like, if you're familiar with that, basically like the, the logical defense of the Christian faith. And I remember I, ha- I was sitting down with my grandpa in his living room and I was sharing him all the, sharing with him about all these points that I had been studying of, um, you know, like, the referential absurdism of moral relativism and like all these like deep points and sharing all these things. And I just remember saying to him, like, you know, grandpa, I'm like, you have to, we have to know what we believe. And uh, I remember he looked at me and at the time I was frustrated that he said this, but he goes, he goes, yeah. He's like, that's great, Luke. And I was like, Whoa, did you not just hear like all of this stuff I just said? Like, I'm awesome. <laughs> and uh, he goes, he goes, that's great, Luke. He goes, we, we absolutely, he goes, we have, we have to know what we believe. And he, but he said, but do you know who you believe? He's like, do you know him? And, and he's like, you know, the apostle Paul said that he counted all things lost for the sake of knowing Christ. He said that he, he says, I know whom I have believed. And he said, do you know him like that? He's like, have you actually encountered Jesus, the real Jesus and not just someone in your head, but have you actually encountered the man that will change your life. And, um, you know, I was, again, I went home and I was like, man, like, I can't believe like he just shot down, like all these things. I was just, you know, all these books I've been reading and stuff. And I just sat there and had kind of that long, hard question of, I mean, you know, I, at that point I had put my faith in Jesus as my savior. Like I believed the gospel, but I was like, man, do I know him like that? Like Paul, where he's, he's willing to suffer you know, the most horrible of torture and imprisonments and persecution um, for the sake of that man and not not for the sake of simply what he believes to be true and not just going, hey, I believe this is right and this is wrong, but I love the man Jesus. And just going, man, 
do I know him like that? And kind of started this journey for me of, I want to know him like that. And I want to seek him. And, you know, the word says in Jeremiah, it says, if, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. And just going, Lord, all right, this is a promise. I don't know you like that right now, but I want to, and I'm going to seek you with whatever all of my heart looks like, which means every fiber of my being, I'm going to seek you like that. And really this process of going, just encountering the Lord in a way that I never had before. So I just, I know that God has used you in such huge ways. Uh, so I want you to share the rave story because okay. it gives me chills every time and you yeah. can share the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, so basically um, here in Nashville, where we live, um, uh, my wife and I had been doing college campus ministry in the area and um we were sitting down and we grabbed coffee with some students, uh, and their names are Josh and Jada Adams, and they live here in Nashville. And we were, we were grabbing coffee with them and, uh, we were, you know, just having a conversation and they go, Hey, have you guys heard about these raves that are happening? And I was like, bro, I don't even know what a rave is. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and they get on Instagram and they show us this Instagram page. And there were these two high school boys in Nashville, um, who basically their dads told them, Hey, we will give you several thousand dollars to start a business, like whatever business you want. And they go, cool. Like we've been throwing parties for all of our friends. Cause these two guys are like some of the most popular high school students I've ever heard of, you know, they're throwing it up on Snapchat. Hey, we're going to have a party and you know, 400 high school students are showing up at their house. Yeah. And, um, and so uh, we hear about these raves and they're like, and they're showing us the videos of these hundreds of students coming to these. And, and Josh and Jada were really just like burdened. And they're like, man, like we're trying to get our, our, you know, our classmates to go after Jesus. And, and like, and this is where they're all going. Like, this is where they're at. And um, I remember they were showing us that video and I, it just, I don't know how to describe it other than there was just this like burden from the Lord of like, it felt like the Holy spirit was like, I, I want those students. Like I want those kids. Like I want, I want to see them saved. And, uh, and I was like, man, it, it was almost this what if thought of like, what if like we could actually preach the gospel at that party and, um, just kind of this crazy thought. And, uh, and I was like, that would be amazing. I have no clue how that would happen but it felt like the Lord was saying, like, I want you to go for it. And so I was with um, my friend, Daniel McLeod, who leads uh, several different ministries here in Nashville. But he, I mean, just like when he was in high school, just like was ripping it up for the gospel, like on his high school campus, like he started this thing called Wilco United, where like 1400 high school students started coming together every month for this wow. gathering he started in high school. And, um, and so we're together and he had heard about the raves too. And we started talking about it and we were like, let's, let's go for it. Like, let's, let's find some way to see if we can share the gospel at this party. And so, um, we knew where the two guys lived. Like we knew what neighborhood they lived in, but we didn't know what house, like we didn't like, we're just like, we have no idea how to get in contact with them. So, uh, Daniel calls me on the last day of summer before the high schools were about to go back into session. He just goes, it's like, Hey, we doing this thing or what? Like, cause we got to do it today. It's like now or never. And I was like, I'm there. So we went and, and met each other at, and, 
And we just started driving through their neighborhood and we just said, Lord, like, would you show us which house is theirs? Like, we have no idea how to get in contact with them. Like, just show us. And so we're driving through the neighborhood and uh, like, we're getting ready to just like start going knocking on random doors to like find out where they live, like creepiest thing ever. But um, uh, we run into Josh, who, Josh and Jada, like who are, in, they happen to be in the neighborhood and, and we're like, Hey, like, this is what we're doing today. And Josh goes, Hey, like I actually have his sister's number. Like one of the guy's sister's numbers. Like, I think uh-huh. I can get in contact with him. So basically we, we finally get his number. We text him and we said, we didn't tell him we were Christians. We just said, Hey, we do events. Um, and we'd love to talk business, like about your, like your raves. And he, because he, well, we just said, we'd like to talk business. And the guy takes back and goes, is this about our port party organization? And Daniel takes him back and he's like, absolutely. And so there's this, um, there's like this coffee shop near there. And we're like, Hey, meet us at this coffee shop in like an hour. And they're like, all right, cool. We're there. So me and Daniel go to this coffee shop and we're like, what did we just get ourselves into? Like, we have no idea what to do at this point. We have like no strategy. We're, we've kind of just taken this step of faith and we have no idea what to do from this point. And so we get on our knees and we just start praying. We text like this group thread of friends that we had and we're like, guys, this is what we're doing. We need you all to pray like right now. And uh, so the two guys get there and we sit down and Daniel and I are both like shaking. Like I'm trying to like hide my, like, I'm like trembling the whole time. Cause I'm like, I, I don't know what to say. Like, and we've made it this far, but I don't know what else to do. And so we kind of just, you know, we're making small talk with them. We're asking them questions. They're asking about what we do. And um, then one of the kids just like stops and he looks at us and he goes, so let's talk business. And he goes, he's like, why are we here? Like just really candidly, it's just like, why the heck did you bring us here? And so Daniel and I look at him and essentially we just go, hey, you know, we heard about the parties that you guys are throwing and we have an idea for you. And we said, so we told him like, Hey, we, you know, grew up in this area. Like we got radically transformed by Jesus in high school. And Daniel told them about Wilco United, which they'd heard about because it was like pretty well known throughout all the high schools in our area. And so Daniel was like, I started Wilco United. Like this thing happened in high school. Like Jesus changed my life. And uh, we said, what if we could bring 50 of our friends to your party because they were charging 20 bucks a ticket. And we're like, we'll get them to pay the 20 bucks a ticket. It's, it's an extra thousand dollars for you. And you just give us the last 15 minutes of your party to let us share about how Jesus has changed our lives. And the one guy, one of the guys looks at us and he goes, you know, he goes, I've been looking for a purpose for these parties, which is like the weirdest, <laughs> like funniest thing ever. But he just goes, I've been looking for a purpose for these parties. He goes, cause you know, I just got out of juvie. And he said, and I was, I was thrown in juvie and he goes, um, for drug possession. And he said, but he was, I, when I got out, I started throwing these parties because all I wanted to do was forget mm-hmm. because I just wanted to forget. And we looked at him and we said, bro, what if people could come to your parties and not just forget, but they could actually be made whole and get yeah. healed. And he goes, Whoa, he goes, that's <laughs> powerful. And, um, and, and so we like jump in right there and, and we just share our testimony with them. And we're like, Hey, this is what we're looking to do. Like, we just want the last 15 minutes and they're like, all right, like we think it's a yes, like let us talk, talk it over. And, um, and, but I, we think it's a yes. And so they leave and Daniel and I like look at each other and we're like, 
they just said yes like we start like we were freaking out and like so loud like people in the in the coffee shop were like what the heck is their problem <laughs> and uh and so but we we go out from there and like we start not hearing back from them a little bit and we're like oh no like they're gonna flake on us um what do we do and so we had this idea we of we have a friend that leads a ministry in nashville called rocket town um it's actually a ministry michael w smith started to like minister to like the inner city youth in our city and part of it is it has this giant venue and um so we called the guy who's the director at rocket town his name's kenny alonso and we were like hey here's the deal like we just had this crazy conversation with these high school guys and um we think they might flake out on us would you let us have your venue for free because they're paying for venues would you let us have your venue for free that we can give them as like a bargaining piece. And he's like, absolutely go for it. And it's not a cheap venue either. And so he completely gives it to us. And we go to the guys and we said, Hey, new plan. We said, we have a venue that'll hold a thousand people and uh, we can get it to you for free, but under two conditions. One, uh, you take all the money you would have spent on a venue and you have to pump it into advertising and get as many students there as you possibly can. And number two, we want the last 30 minutes of your rave to preach the gospel and pray for people. And, uh, and they're like, okay, we're in. And so they agree. And at that point, one of the biggest things that Daniel and I kept praying is we're like, Lord, the, the two guys' names, one's name uh, was Jake and the other's was Burke. And we just kept praying. We're like, Lord, if if Jake and Burke don't get uh, impacted by this, like it doesn't matter. Like how many students come, like how many students get impacted. Like if it doesn't happen in their lives, like it's not going to happen. Like it's not going to. This will all be for nothing. Like it has to get them. And so we started just getting coffee with them on a regular basis, using basically planning for the rave as a way to like pre-disciple them. Like they hadn't yeah. responded to the gospel, you know, we we're like, Hey, let's meet together and talk about the rave. And, you know, we're like planning out how to get students there. And we're like, yeah, you know, this is what Jesus said. And like, just start jumping into <laughs> Bible verses and like sharing yeah. with them about how to live the Christian life. And, and so we, you know, we're meeting with them and, and we're leading up and we're like, man, we don't know how many kids are going to come to this rave. Like we have no clue. Like they've been pulling a couple hundred kids, but like we have no idea. And so we finally get to the, the night of the rave. And I remember there were actually a couple nights before we got there, I was in my room and I was praying and I was just going, Lord, like, I'm scared. Like, I, yeah, I don't know about anybody else listening to this podcast, but I've never preached at a rave before. Um, so I'm like, I'm like, I have no context for this. Like I'm going to get cussed off the stage. Like that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, Lord, I, we need the power of God. Like we have to have something supernatural happen. Otherwise this is going to be really bad. And I remember I was praying in my room and I felt like I heard the Holy spirit speak to me so clearly because I was just anticipating kind of the mocking that was going to happen as I tried to share about Jesus and just heard the Holy spirit speak to me. And he said, he said, Luke, Goliath mocked David. He's like, till the moment his head fell from his shoulders. He's like, but his head fell. And he's like, if you will preach the gospel, he goes, the head will fall from this giant. He's like, and the Holy spirit will do what he's going to do. 
And I was like, okay, I'm like, that's, I'm like, I just feel like I had breakthrough in that moment of like that, the fear left. I was like, all right, Lord, it, it just felt like that Elijah on Mount Carmel moment of like, if you're familiar with that story in the Old Testament, essentially Elijah says, hey, we're going to set an altar out before God, the prophets of this false God, you set up an altar and we're going to cry out to God and the God that answers by fire, he's the real God. And so he gets up there and he goes, Lord, he goes, I pray that you would answer this prayer by fire. He goes, so that everyone watching, because they called the whole nation of Israel together when he's getting ready to do this. And he says, Lord, would you answer so that they would know I've done this at your word? And we just started praying and going, Lord, would you answer and move in power? Because we this wasn't an idea we just came up with. This was something that you put on our hearts by your Holy Spirit to do. Would you answer? And so we get to the night of the rave and... Um, students start arriving and all of a sudden this line starts like wrapping like around the building, like all the way around and over a thousand students poured into the, the venue. And we had had this group of people that we brought with us. Those 50 friends that we brought were actually all people that Daniel had been training for like six months in evangelism training, like how to talk, how to share the gospel with people. (laughs) So basically we just brought like 50 evangelists to the rave who were all like praying for people during it. And, and, um, so we, we were praying in that room and we just like, it was just a powerful time of prayer and like, just felt like we broke through into this place of like, man, the presence of like, we could tangibly sense the presence of God, like during the rave for like, this is the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> and so we get up and Daniel and I get up to go share the gospel and we just present the gospel. And it was just to be clear too, like, it wasn't a call of, Hey, like Jesus just wants to give you a better life. Like would you raise your hand if you want that? Cause like, we know, like that's not the full gospel. Like the gospel yeah. is, Hey, Jesus calls us to repent, turn from our sin and that he becomes Lord over everything that yeah. every, that his word, we fully submit our lives to his word. We are, are fully surrendered to him and we turn from the way that we've been walking and go 180 degrees in the opposite direction. And we give that call like very clear. And well, I'll say this before we did that. I, I got up and I started to talk and I, you know, start talking about Jesus. And one kid goes, get the F off the stage. <laughs> and Jake, one of the guys we've been meeting with, his eyes were like locked on us. And he looks at this kid and he goes, shut up. He goes, you need this. He goes, we all need this. Wow. And, and he like shuts down like all these kids that are basically heckling us. And we start sharing the gospel and we say, if, if you sense that the Holy spirit, is drawing you to Jesus right now. And you want to surrender your life. And I said, and to be clear, like this, is, I told him, I said, this is not a joke. Like we're not playing around. Like don't raise your hand. If you don't mean this, like, this is very serious. Like if that's you, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. And we gave the count and like 400 of them raised their hands to respond to the gospel. Wow. And the first one was Jake and wow. Jake runs across the stage like after we presented the gospel and he grabs us and he just said he goes thank you he said tonight was for me and he's like i he's i'm changed forever and he, he looked at one of us and he goes he goes i think i'm gonna be a man of god <laughs> and these friend one of our friends named tori was standing nearby and she goes she goes if you just gave your life to jesus she goes bro you already are and so that was just and so like those 400 students what we were like okay how do we follow up with all these students so daniel basically he he had gone off to to school um, after high school. And so Wilco United, which he had started had kind of died out after he left. 
And so he's like, we're going to relaunch Wilco United out of this rave. And so we told all the students, we're like, hey, a week from today, we're going to have, they're relaunching Wilco United, show up at this church at this time, and we're going to have a worship and a prayer night and text this number. So we got all their numbers and the, when they texted in, it started sending them these discipleship videos of like, Hey, here's how you get in the word. Here's how you uh, get into community. Here's how you get discipled, like all these things. And so that next um, Friday night, like 400 or 500 students show up to Wilco United and the gospel is presented again and a couple hundred more respond at that point. Um, And so it was just this crazy move of God that happened of, just there was just even this fresh stir of like all of these worship nights that started popping up in the high schools in our, in our area of like, you could throw a rock and hit like three worship nights that were like happening in the same city. And just all of these things that the Lord started to do out of that place. But the kind of last piece to that story is about a year later, Jake was he was actually out of town and he was driving in Dallas actually. And he was on his way home driving from Dallas and he fell asleep at the wheel and he passed away um, just about a little over a year ago. And um, when Jake passed away, his family called Daniel and I and we're like, Hey, we're having Jake's memorial service and we want you to come and share the gospel at his memorial service. And like I said earlier, Jake was like the most popular high school student I've ever heard of. And they have his memorial service and 1500 people came. And so we get up and we, uh, at the very end of his memorial service, and we just share about like, hey, this is what happened to Jake. And if Jake could come back right now, he would in, and tell you anything, tell you one thing, he would tell you to put your faith in Jesus. And so we present the gospel I remember one guy in particular of all these students out in, in the, just, it was on, on a soccer field. And uh, I can see this one student and he's literally like in his chair, just shaking. Like he's shaking the whole time we're sharing the gospel. And we call for a response and we say like, if you want to give your life to Jesus, we're calling, like, I want you to stand up right now. And I remember him in particular, he literally just, shoots his hands in the air and throws his hands like all the way out extended and him and 500 others all stood up to, to respond to the gospel and the first people being his family. And it was just this crazy, just move of the Holy spirit of just like this response and a step of faith. And one of the coolest pieces of that story, I think is when I was in, when I was in college, um, I went to this small community college and we had started this prayer gathering there. This was a couple of years before everything happened with the rave and with Jake. And, and um, we had started these prayer meetings and there'd be like three of us that would come. And uh, we would just, we started praying like, Lord, would you send revival? Like, would you move in our generation, in our city? And it was like the worst prayer gathering you've ever heard of. Like half the time it was people praying for their cat. And like, they're like, Lord, like my cat's sick. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Like your cat's sick. Like Jesus loves your cat, but like, we're praying for people to get saved. Okay. And it was just like, they were not like these grand, like awesome, powerful prayer meetings, but they were genuine. And we were crying out that God would move on our campus. He would move in our city. And 
from the stage on that soccer field where we preached the gospel at Jake's Memorial, I could see the back patio of my college campus where we used to have those prayer meetings. And I remember like, just as we were sharing the gospel, just thinking, man, God, you answered, like we, we prayed and they were like, not many of them were theologically sound prayers. Not many of them were like eloquent prayers, but they were genuine prayers and God was answering as people stepped out in faith. And so that's a little bit of what we've been seeing God do in Nashville and Daniel's continuing to do Wilco United. I mean, they have hundreds of students come every Friday night and I, you know, Jake's sister is there pretty much every time. Um, and just this crazy, just move of the Holy spirit that we've seen over the past couple of years here. Wow. That is truly incredible. I seriously get chills and teary eyed every time I hear that story because it's just so powerful. And I love that, like the Lord used your faithfulness, your boldness, but I also love that you were, you're so honest about your fear in all of that. I mean, that is a huge undertaking and I'm sure that you had no idea, you know, (laughs) going into it when you felt, you know, his prompting to, to reach these kids I'm sure you had no idea how impactful it truly would be. And so, um, yeah, I'm sure that there's a lot of fear that goes into that. I know that anytime you're going to present the gospel or share with people, there is a little bit of like, oh, no, how are they going to respond or whatever? And especially high school kids in that environment, like that's scary. So, (laughs) yeah, I just love, you know, your, your faithfulness and boldness in that. Yeah, thank you. I mean, yeah, there always is like... I don't think you ever get over a little bit of that fear, like whenever you're sharing the gospel, Uh, because, you know, we don't know how people are going to respond. And I think that's, that's one of those pieces is, you know, our, it's a a relieving piece also is like, we can't control how people respond. Yeah. Um, But that's not our job either. You know, like the Holy spirit didn't call us to be salesmen. Like he called us to be witnesses, you know? Yes. And it's like, our job isn't to get them to buy the product. Like our job is to share with them the truth of the word. And the Holy spirit is the one that does the convincing. Yes. And if we will be faithful to do what, what Jesus has given us the responsibility to do, which is to share the gospel, like he'll do what we can't do, which is, he'll convict hearts and, and, and convince people of the, the truth and the reality of, of the gospel. And so I don't think you ever get over that fear of, of that with sharing with people, but it's almost part of it. Like if you can almost turn it into like, it sounds weird, but like if you can turn it into a game of like, okay, like this is scary, but like, I'm going to do it. Like it's, you know, I'm going to yeah. step out and I'm going to have faith. Um, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's just fun to see how the Lord meets you every time yes. you step out. Yeah. And it takes the pressure off of yourself whenever you just yeah. give it to him and say, you yeah. know, this person may not respond at all. You know, I'm even thinking of like a one-on-one situation, like totally. they may not, they may not respond, but that's okay because I'm just trying to be obedient in what he's calling me to do. And he's going to take it from here. You know, um, there's yeah. a few people in my own life right now that that's kind of the situation. And it's like, okay, I could either be fearful and worry about, you know, what they're going to say or think, or even feel discouraged that they're not responding immediately or the way I want them to. But my job is to just be obedient and share the good news. And so yeah. he will use that however he wants to use it. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. And I'm sure that 
that story of that many people coming to know the Lord has given you so much hope and encouragement mm-hmm. and, you know, has kind of fired you up to continue doing that. So how is the Lord using you in your current season? Yeah. Well, really, as we have prayed and been like, Lord, what are you asking us to do? And that's that's kind of the question of my life that I try to keep always in front of me of Lord, what are you asking me to do? Because I think it's really easy to start just doing things for God that he's not asking us to do. Um, and so just like, Lord, what would you have us do? And really felt like a little over a year ago, the Lord spoke to my wife and I and really felt like he said, I want you to call the young people of America to consecration. And um, it's kind of like an old school word of like, what the heck is consecration? But really consecration in the Bible is just this idea of complete and total devotion to God, even beyond the minimum of like what's required. And it's, it's giving everything uh, to Jesus. And it's also a commitment to walk in holiness and really where I feel like the Lord is really stirring us right now is to just believe that we could get holiness back and, and the joy of holiness back for a generation um, specifically in America, because I think for a long time we've had uh, either you have kind of two spectrums. You have like really mean spirited legalistic people that are like basically just use holiness and, and like living a certain way as a way to control people. And then you have the other end of the spectrum where it's like, we don't want to turn people away. I think even a lot of people were shocked, like with the rave, they're like, Oh, cool. A bunch of kids came to the rave. Like, what did you share that got them to respond? And they were kind of surprised to find it wasn't like a light, happy, slappy message. It was like, Hey, we're calling them to give everything for Jesus. And so you'll have the one side that it's like, Hey, we just tell people like, just know that God loves you and you're good. Like that's all that you need. And then kind of the other side of this you know, these people that are preaching holiness, but it's like, I don't think I want to live like you, like you look miserable, like you're the worst and getting back for people that, you know, the word says in Hebrews that to pursue holiness for without it, no man will see God. Mm -hmm. And to get back that holiness isn't about being righteous for righteousness sake. It's about Lord, I love you so much. And I've just even kind of that, what I talked about at the beginning of when you taste of actually knowing Jesus, where he's no longer this idea in your head, but actually the presence of the Holy Spirit. And just as like David said in the Psalms, he's like, my soul longs for you. Like my, my soul thirsts for you. Like a, like a, in a dry and weary land where there's no water. Like when you understand like that type of craving for the presence of God, you start to go, man, nothing in life is worth compromising that type of intimacy with Jesus and it overflows. Like the Bible says that in his presence is the fullness of joy. And so getting back for a generation that man, Jesus is worth holiness and holiness is not about, you know, this just rules and legalism. It's about obedience to Jesus. Cause I love what Jesus says in, in John, I believe it's 14. He says, he who has my commands and keeps them. That's the person who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him. He says, and then this is the key piece. He says, and we will make our home with that person Mm -hmm. and I will manifest myself to him. 
it's like, man, that's why we pursue obedience. Like that's why we pursue holiness. That's why we pursue consecration and full devotion to Jesus. Not because we're hoping that it gets us into heaven. It's because only Jesus sacrifice on the cross could do that. But it's, man, I have tasted of what it's like to actually know God and nothing is worth compromising that. And, and when I actually love God, it will result in my obedience and my, my desire to give all to him. And so that's really where we're like, Lord, we are, we feel like he's given us uh, just an assignment to call our generation into that type of devotion. And so really over the next several years, we believe the Lord is calling us to just call our generation by the thousands to gather and say, Hey, we will give our lives fully to Jesus. And so we just had our first gathering under that ministry, which is called consecrate in Dallas and yeah. you were there yeah, and, um, and now we're gearing up for uh, DC. So we're going to do another one in Washington, DC this fall, most likely. So we're working on getting that date nailed down, but most likely it'll be October around then of, uh, of 2022. So getting ready to do our next one. I'm just believing for students and young adults from around the nation. They gather and say, Hey, we're going to lay our lives down with everything that we've got for Jesus. That is so awesome. Yeah, I was there. It was truly incredible. Um, just the way the Lord is using you in that is just super cool to watch and to be a part of. Um, and so I'm really excited for the future ones, the DC and wherever else he leads you. Do you feel like you were able to see fruit come from this past event? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, so it's, it's always hard to tell like day of, right? Like you're there yeah. and you're like, okay, like Lord, you know, I like sense your presence, like what, like what's happening, like with the other people in the room and, you know, just got so many Instagram messages and testimonies from students that were like, I, I remember one of, um, one of our ministry partners that was there who, um, she was like, Hey, I was out in the lobby and literally this girl walks into the lobby and just breaks down crying. And she's like, are you okay? Like, what's the matter? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. She goes, I've just never sensed the presence of God like this Wow. and just started crying. And um, other students that messaged us and were just like, this was a life transforming week for me or others that messaged and were like, I've never been in a, in a time like where I've been able to just feel a grace to like lay everything down before Jesus like that. And so just getting testimonies like that have been so encouraging of going, all right, Lord, like we felt like it went well. And like this being our first one, you know, obviously there's always things that you'll tweak, that you'll change, that you'll try to, you know, grow and continue to do, but just getting testimonies like that um, has just been like, all right, Lord, like we, our job is just to obey you and, and just step out in faith and believe that you'll do the rest. And so that's been really encouraging. And I know that you're so passionate about Gen Z, what gives you hope and encouragement for your generation? Yeah. You know, I was talking with, um, I was actually talking with a, uh, a man the other day, he's been in ministry for like 50 years and he's actually a part of a really large evangelistic ministry. Um, and he, we were talking and he goes, you know, he goes, he's like this season, he goes, a lot of people are discouraged. He's like, it feels like people are like, man, like everything in our country is falling apart right now. Like young people are leaving the church. And he goes, honestly, he goes, this season reminds me more than any other season. He goes of the time right before the Jesus people movement. And if you're familiar with that, like basically, you know, in the sixties, seventies, it was the sexual revolution, you know, Vietnam, 
you know, cities burning. Like it, it was just a time of a ton of social unrest, racial, un, like uh, unrest. Like it was so much division, even in the church. And, and it was just, everybody's like, man, our nation is falling apart. Sounds and so familiar. <laughs> it sounds so familiar. And he was just like, and you know what came out of that? He goes, there was a generation, he goes, that were so radical about Jesus. He goes, that came out of that time. He goes to where that was really the last like awakening we've seen in our nation um, to where tens of thousands of young people all over America started getting saved. And he's like, it's uncanny how similar those seasons are. And when I see things like what happened with the rave and when I see things like what's happening with Daniel and Wilco United and all of these high school students. And when I see things of just student, like young people getting a hunger to just go like, I'm not going to follow Jesus half-heartedly. Like I, it's all or nothing for me, which is really the gospel anyway. And it, it seems like it's rising up all over the country of just, I mean, it feels like I'm hearing stories about it just like all the time of young people that are going all in for God and the Lord moving in crazy ways, just in different parts of the country. And so, you know, it is a crazy time. Like there are young people leaving the church. Um, but at the same time, it feels like the stage is being set for God to do something really miraculous. But I'll say if his people will respond and step out in faith, because I think one of the key pieces is, you know, there's a stage that's set for God to do something really miraculous right now, but he, the Lord has set it up in such a way. We know the Lord is, is all powerful. There's nothing he can't do, but he has set things up in such a way that he, you know, I love, a, there's a great um, just passage in the word where it says that Jesus goes to his hometown of Nazareth. And it says, it's so crazy. He says, I, he could do no mighty miracles there because of or no mighty works there because of their unbelief. Mm. And I'm like, could not like, I'm going to look that up in the original language. It was like, <laughs> I mean, could not. And it's like, obviously we know God can do anything yeah. except for that, which he's chosen to limit himself in. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's clear that God will limit what he will do in a place according to people's faith, for what they have, what they'll believe him for, like what they believe he'll do. And I, you know, it's so interesting that it doesn't say he could do no works at all. It just says no mighty works. Mm. And I'm like, Lord, I never want to live a life where I come to the end of it and I just go, Lord, I saw you move, but the mighty works were really few. I want to go, man, Lord, I believed you for the mighty works. And I think if we'll get a generation of young people that will go, I believe God. And if we really believe God will act like, cause action is coupled with faith. Like you can't, like, if you say you believe something, you'll prepare for it. You'll take action on it. Like if I believe this chair will hold me when I sit down, I'll put my full weight on it. Like I'm going to, that's evidenced by something. And so I think the stage is set for God to do something really miraculous. If he'll get a generation with fully devoted hearts that are, you know, consecrated that are like, I'm all in like come hell, come high water, come persecution, come suffering, come sacrifice. I'm in and I'm not turning back. There's not much God can't do with a generation like that. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say is the best way for older generations to invest in Gen Z and raise up more leaders? Yeah, man, I, I feel like it's, it's on both sides. I would say, I feel like the first part is honestly more of an exhortation to Gen Z and to younger leaders. And it would, it would be to 
very intentionally submit yourself to older leaders. Um, and cause I think there's tons of older leaders out there that are more than willing. Like, like I just over and over, I just feel like I'm so humbled by how many older leaders are willing to give their time and their advice and their encouragement to younger leaders. And I would say if, if you're a younger leader, seek those people out and be willing to submit yourselves to them. Cause I think, you know, it's always a temptation to be like, Hey, we have all the great ideas. And, you know, Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. Like whatever we're trying to do, someone else has tried to yeah. do 50 years ago and probably did it way better than we are. And like, we need to press into that and listen. And so I would say, um, on the first side, like if you're a young leader, seek those people out and submit yourselves to them. And it probably will be difficult for you because they're probably going to tell you no at times where you will want them to say yes and submit anyway. And God will so bless you where the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. That's part of that is submitting ourselves to leaders. So that's the first thing I'd say. The second piece is, you know, if, if, you're an older leader or you're, you're wanting to go, man, how do I pour into Gen Z? I would say, I think they can be kind of intimidated by like, I don't know how to relate to them. Like maybe I'm not cool. Like, I don't know. Like Gen Z in particular, like they're really not looking for cool. Like they're, they're just hungry. Like they just want truth. They want real, like the Bible and, and just like the real meat is like, really desirable for them. Mm -hmm. And so I would say like, don't be intimidated by thinking, Oh, like I can't relate to them or I'm not cool. Like wisdom is always relatable and life experience is always relatable. So, you know, I think they might be intimidated even ask like, Hey, like I'd love to meet with you and, and, you know, disciple you and and meet with you regularly and take you through the word. I mean, that's a step of faith right there. Like just go, like go into the rave and being like, Hey, can we share the gospel? Like same thing. Like just be like, Hey, I'd love to, to, you know, walk with you, you know, take you through the word. Um, and, and then hopefully a relationship builds, but, um, I think I've just been so encouraged by how many leaders there are that have gone before us that, um, are so willing to give of time, resources, advice. Um, and kind of the last thing I'll say on that is I remember this was probably like, five years ago at this point, I remember I was praying and I felt like I really heard the Holy spirit tell me really clearly. I felt like he said, Luke, be really careful. Um, as you have times where you see God move, he said, because your generation is going to reap a harvest that you didn't. sow." Hmm. and he's like, it's going to be really tempting to be like, man, we did this. Like we're seeing God move. Like if we see an awakening in America, like I really believe that we will. Um, it won't be because of us. Like it's going to be because of the generation that came before us that prayed, that like wept over our generation, that toiled for a long time with not a lot of fruit to prep the ground for us. And like they sowed all this seed and we're going to show up like right at harvest time and be like, look what we've done. (laughs) And they're going to be like, no, that wasn't you. We've been like plowing and planting and, you know, prepping this field for decades and you just got to show up and reap the benefits. And so I think I'd say that just to young leaders as well that are listening of just going, uh, when we start to see the Lord move in America, like I believe we're going to, we just really have to keep in mind, Hey, 
this isn't because of us. Like there's been a generation that's given their lives in a sacrificial way that we have no idea. And um, to really intentionally honor that. Yeah, that is so true and so encouraging. And yeah, again, it's one of those things where we all just have to be obedient. Like no matter which generation you're a part of, like the importance is to pray, to seek the Lord's face and mm-hmm. to just be obedient to what he's calling us to. So thank you yeah. for, for sharing that. So yeah. I have one last question for you. Yeah. Um, you've talked about a lot of great things that the Lord has done in and through you um, in this time together, but yeah. this one is going to be a little bit different Okay. Uh, what is a great thing that you're into right now? Just something fun, just whatever. Man. Okay. Let's see. I mean, honestly, like I'm getting like for real, like I'm getting full in on this, like the, the baby prep right now. So yeah. like I was telling you this earlier, like we have this, um, uh, there's okay. So if you're like a parent or like you have a baby or you're you know, going to be a parent anytime soon there. My wife like found this, like if you have a kid, you've probably heard of this, but it's called taking Kara babies. Cause the lady's name is Kara really clever. Oh, cool. Um, but she made basically this whole, um, uh, like, Hey, if you're a new parent, here's how you get your baby to sleep. And like all these acronyms for like what you do with your baby. And, uh, like, here's how you get your baby on a schedule and like what time to feed him and how long to sleep. And if they keep crying, like it's no big deal. And so she has all these episodes and basically that's become our Netflix. Like we'll sit down like with our popcorn and like we turn on taking care of babies and that has become our new, our new Netflix. So I feel like I'm, I'm getting, you know, baptized into dadhood very quickly. So that's, that's what we're into at the moment, real life stuff. I love it. I love how seriously you're taking it because oh, yeah. I mean, everyone already knows y'all are going to be awesome parents. So that's so cool. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so Luke, I end every episode, you know, this podcast is called great things, but I never want to close out an episode without sharing the good news. Um, and so that's something that I always just share a brief message of the gospel at the end, but I want to do something different today. And I want you yeah. to actually share the gospel for us. Yeah. Thanks Lindsay. I would love to do that. Well, this this is the gospel message. The gospel message is firstly the good news that God became a man in Jesus Christ and he lived the life that we could never live. And this is a key piece because the Bible says that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what sin really is, is sin means missing the mark, missing the mark of the perfection and the, the glory and the goodness and the righteousness of God. And I love C.S. Lewis once said that no person knows how bad they really are until they have tried to be good. And when you try to go, you know what, for a day, I'm not going to have any angry thoughts towards a person. I'm not going to have any hateful thoughts towards this person. I'm not going to do anything that is, you know, what we would consider immoral or bad or anything like that for, for a day even most of us would say, I can't even do that. But it's not even just that piece. It's going, we fall short of the glory of God, not only just not doing bad things, but we don't live in the perfect giving, loving, everything we do being selfless like God does. And we've fallen short of that type of life, which fulfills the the moral law that God created. And so Bible says that we've all fallen short. And so Jesus lived the life we could never live. And then he died the death that we deserve because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, 
but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so just like, you know, if you got a job at McDonald's, what would be due to you for working for an hour at McDonald's would be, you know, say 12 bucks an hour. Well, what's due us for sin, what's rightfully owed to us for sin is death which is simply separation from God, because in God, everything beautiful and good and life-giving exists. And that really is all that hell is, is separation from that. It's a complete separation from everything that is in God, which is goodness, love, everything life-giving and beautiful exists in God. And so he died the death that we deserve for our sinfulness. But then also Jesus not only died that death, but three days later, he rose from the grave, proving that he was who he claimed to be, which was the son of God. And he offers the free gift of salvation to everyone who will repent and believe that message. And this is what repentance is. It's not simply going, you know, God, I'm, I'm sorry that I sinned, you know, won't do it again. And then we just kind of keep walking in it. Repentance is going, God, I recognize that I am sinful. No matter how hard I try, I could never be good enough to fulfill the the moral law that you have put in place. I could never be as, as good as God. But Jesus, I believe that what I could not do in, in getting up to God, you came down and did for me. And so Jesus, I believe that you paid my price on the cross and it is a turning. It's a 180 degree turn in the opposite direction and saying, Jesus, everything in my life is given over to surrender to you, to live according to how you call me to live in your word. And it is turning to him. And it's in that place that we receive life. And the Bible says that he who seeks to save his life, essentially saying he who seeks to keep their own life. And I want to live how I want to live. I just want to live according to what I think is good and my own truth. The Bible says that he who seeks to save his life will lose it. But he who loses his life, essentially giving everything to Jesus will find what true life is. And that's the gospel. When we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our hearts that God raised, us, raised him from the dead, the Bible says we will be saved. And this is the good news. Well, that is the best news. We call it the good news, but it truly is the best news. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I do have resources to, to point people uh, to if they do want to respond to that uh, call in their life. And so thank you for sharing that with us. And um, I just appreciate you coming on today and challenging us, giving us hope for the next generation and just being such an encouragement. You're leading so well. Thanks, Lindsay. Such a joy to be on. Y'all, did I not tell you that Luke is incredible? His obedience to the Lord's call in his life is so encouraging and his impact for the kingdom is huge. If you got something out of this episode, would you share it with a friend? Text the link, share it on social media, email it to your grandma, whatever it takes to get this powerful testimony out there. And if you aren't subscribed to the show already, take a second and hit the follow button. That way these episodes will be waiting for you in your favorite podcast app each week. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you'll be back next week for more great things.